my message this afternoon for you is on responding to the call of God, or responding to God's call. I want to start by uh, looking at our passage. Our stripped text is going to be taken from Acts chapter 10. Let me give you a context. This chapter follows straight after Paul's great conversion testimony. And it's actually such an important incident in the history of the church that the whole of chapter 10 and chapter 11 is given over to it. Why? Because it was the moment when every non-Jew, when every Gentile came to know that we were included in the great message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Since this moment, Acts 10, since Cornelius' household responded to the gospel, it has meant that every single non-Jew can also respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is very profound because we believe that the gospel is for all people. We know that the Jews have a special place in the Lord's heart as the chosen people, but God has also chosen to reach out to and minister to Gentiles. And we are grateful that he includes us. Amen? Now let's think about the story. Cornelius, he's a centurion, a man of great influence and power, but he's also a man that loved God, used to give to God, and he was at prayer, and an angel came to speak to him and began to tell him of a certain man that he needed to call to his household. When he saw this angel, he was overwhelmed, he was terrified, but he responded to the call to go and send for Peter. Peter, meanwhile, is in Joppa. Joppa is by the sea. Peter's enjoying some of his favorite pastime, fishing probably, but he's also at prayer. And in this prayer, he sees this great vision, a sheep falls from heaven three times, all kinds of animals. He's told, arise, kill and eat. He says, you know what? No, I've never eaten anything unclean in my life. But this is a, a, a word that God is speaking to him by the Spirit to prepare him for these men who are about to come. And these men come and they ask Peter to go with them. They go to Cornelius' household. We're going to read the passage in just a moment, but giving you the brief shape of it. But what happens at Cornelius' household it's incredible. Peter begins to speak the words of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Men and women who had never heard the good news start to receive the Holy Spirit as they believe. They start to speak out in tongues as supernatural evidence of having met with God. And Peter is overwhelmed himself. In these few moments, he comes to know, hey, the Gentiles have been fully included not partially included, not given a second status salvation, but fully included. They have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter, through responding to the call, was able to participate in one of the greatest moments of the early church as God reveals the full breadth of his gospel to all of the nations. And so we read in Acts chapter, 11, uh, ch chapter 10, verse 17, now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry at Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, was, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. 
So he invited them to, in to be his guests, and the next day he arose and went away with them. And some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. And then jumping down to verse 33, Peter asked Cornelius what he's doing there, and Cornelius says, so I sent for you at once, and you've been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. How do we hear God's call? How do we respond to God's call? Are you living called? This might be the call to your salvation. This might be the call for you to respond to God's purpose for your life. This might be a waypoint along the journey where God proclaims to you a new phase of your ministry or your part to play here on the earth. I wonder if you've ever felt the sense of the call of God. Certainly in these last few months, as we've been hearing promises that God is going to do something great in our midst, I wonder if you've been taking the time to sit back, taking the time to listen to the Lord, taking the time to ask God, are you speaking to me? Are you calling me? Or are you carrying on at full pace, business as usual? This is a season where God is calling to deep, a deep inward yearning. God, I, I don't know quite how to explain it. God, I, I, I don't know how to put it into words. I don't even know what I'm supposed to experience, but I know that I want more of you, God. Why would we want to respond to God's call? Because your creator, your redeemer, the one who knows you better than you know yourself, has a purpose for you. He has a plan for you, for the kingdom of God to come in your life and also to reach out to lives of those around you. And so the challenge for each one of us as we respond to the call of God is this, to draw as close to Jesus Christ as we can so that we know what he's really, really like and seek to share him with the world around us. And that is a corporate call. Now, each of us might experience particular unique elements. Maybe you're a teacher, maybe you're a gifted pastor, maybe you, you love creativity, maybe you're administratively gifted, maybe you've got healing hands, maybe you see blueprints, maybe you, you just love listening to God and speaking out what He's saying. God has a unique place for each living stone, but united in one overarching call to be the bride of Jesus Christ. And I want to ask you, in the midst of asking why respond is who can respond? Who can respond to the call of God? There's this incredible parable that we see in the Gospels where in Luke 14, there's a great wedding banquet. And people who we might say should have been invited, the friends, the family, the loved ones received an invitation. One by one, they gave an excuse. I've just bought a field, I've just married a wife, I've just acquired a new business, sorry God, sorry master, sorry friend, too busy. The people who thought that they deserved the call turned the call down. Who can be called? 
anyone who's humble enough to hear the call. Are you broken? Hear the call. Are you divorced? Hear the call. Do you need healing in your body? Hear the call. Are you poor, crippled, blind, lame? Hear the call. There is a place for you at the wedding banquet, every single one of you. All you need to do is be humble enough to respond to the call. Oh, you don't know what I'm doing right now. I'm so lost in sin. I'm so broken by life. I'm addicted to drugs and pornography. I've had multiple affairs, multiple marriages. I've ripped off all my friends. No one will loan me money anymore. You can't possibly be calling me. Any who are humble enough to respond to the call of God. Why humble enough? Because it's not your present state that determines. It is the glory of God and His grace to set you free from sin. You might be lost in sin and it glorifies God to take you from where you are right now and free you from sin and bring you into the glorious liberty of the children of God. But equally, you might say, you know what, I don't need, I don't want, I want to remain in my sin. And then it is the glory of God's judgment when He gives you what you desire to stay hold on to, staying holding on to. Are you humble enough to respond to the call of God? And this is a great clarifying clarion call from the Lord. Today, it's my job to inspire you by God's Word to hear the call and give yourself to pursuing the great work that God has for you. Not just hearing the call, as our senior minister Colin and I said last week, but committing your life to Him. For some of you, today is the day of your salvation. It's the day of your response. But for some of you, it's also the reminder that you are being called to purpose. You've been called to great things for God, and yet you have forgotten about your purpose. He is calling you to engage with who He has created you to be. I want to just share with you six brief calls before we go back to that Cornelius household call. First, the Samaritan woman. She met Jesus at a well. She was a woman that had multiple marriages and was in a failing relationship as Jesus spoke to her. And yet she was given the gift of revelation of who Jesus was calling. The Father is seeking those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. The Father is seeking those who would open their eyes to the great grandeur of God and glorify Him. And suddenly she knew that she could go to the town and proclaim the goodness of God. And she won and turned that whole town to Christ because she caught that revelation. The Father was seeking those who would worship. You've always wondered who is God interested in? those who would worship in spirit and in truth. Another great call, Elijah. Elijah's just had an incredible encounter uh, on Mount Carmel. He's won this battle and then he's fled into the wilderness and he's facing and battling with depression, wondering about his own place in all of this. He goes to a cave. He's sitting in the cave. And suddenly, outside of the cave, there is this great wind, a mighty rushing wind. And God 
could have been in it because God is all-powerful, but He wasn't in the wind. God fills all of science. Whenever you look at science, you see the glory of God in His creation, but you won't only find Him in the mighty wind of science. Then there was this great earthquake, shook the earth. God could shake the earth around you. Maybe your whole life could be shaken when your philosophy gets attacked, when you think about our reason for existence, our reason for being, and God could and is in philosophy, but He's not contained within philosophy. And then comes this purifying fire. And God is not in this fire, even though He is a holy fire. The message of morality, you've got to live a good life. God is, of course, in that, but He was not communicating through that. Rather than all of these things, a still, small voice. God drew near to Elijah with a voice of relationship. What are you doing here, Elijah? Maybe you've been trying to find God in all of those great noisy things. You've been standing right next to the speaker, metaphorically speaking, of science and argument and philosophy and debate and morality and righteousness. And all of these things God is. But he calls us aside to the still small voices, the moments of intimacy, of friendship, of relationship. Perhaps you've been so busy, so surrounded by a cacophony that you can't hear the noise. And you're saying, God, speak to me. And he's saying, draw aside and meet me. Forsake everything. Come and hear the call. There's a third call. Peter, James, John, Andrew, fishing. They don't yet know Christ. They're not yet in the church. They're outside, so to speak. General laborers doing the work of men. And by them comes this great rabbi. Come and follow me. Today, you might say, hey, I'm average Joe, average Jane, average Olu, average Toyan. If I started Nigerian names, I've got to go to Ghanaian. Adu, Kwame, huh? Chinese? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Chu Yen, whatever. <laughs> um, he calls us to call, come and follow him. Do you drop everything to come and follow the Lord Jesus? Maybe you're the fourth. You've grown up in church. Samuel, a young boy, has grown up in the house of God. He's grown up with all of the paraphernalia around him and is so accustomed to the paraphernalia of church that he doesn't know the voice of the Lord. Samuel, Samuel. He gets up, he runs to his master Eli, says, I'm here, I'm here. Here I am. 
His master Eli says, it wasn't me that called you. Three times this happened. Third time, Eli gets the point. He says, tell God you're listening. Maybe you've grown up in the church. You've got used to all the stuff going on around you, and you've never known that not only did God know you by name, but God had a plan and a purpose for you. And Samuel received a great call in these few moments directly from the Lord to engage in the purpose of bringing righteousness to the people of Israel. Maybe you've come today and you're a Paul. You come today because your friend said to you, you know what, you, you've been avoiding me coming to church. I've been inviting you and inviting you and inviting you. And you just keep saying you're not coming. And you were supposed to come at Easter and you didn't come. And now you're here today because they twisted your arm. But you're here because you want to really prove that we Christians are as crazy as they say we are. You're like a Paul ready to capture us in our doctrine, capture us in error, think that you've got the upper hand, ready to take us off and imprison us. And yet God is going to meet you here on this road. You're on the road to trying to condemn and bring judgment, and God is going to speak directly to your heart with a call that you cannot resist. Jesus said to Paul, it is hard for you to kick against the goats. What, it, what he means is, it's hard for you to go against the truth that you know is being spoken to your heart about who Christ is. Or maybe you're like person number six. You're dead. You're obviously here, so you're not dead, dead. But maybe in your heart, maybe you've been so broken, maybe life has been so cruel to you, maybe you've lost a loved one, maybe you've had your whole career stripped from you or your business or your, um, your gifts have been made a mockery or people have betrayed your trust and to all intents and purposes, your life stopped the moment that your heart got broken. And Jesus stood outside the tomb of his great friend Lazarus and he called, Lazarus, come out. Which one are you? Are you struggling for calling? Are you in church not knowing what your purpose is? Are you dead inside and wondering, can God still use you? And now we turn back to this incredible moment in Acts chapter 10. I want to talk to you about the nature of the call. Now this story encapsulates some incredible theological truth. I talked to you first how Cornelius was praying, not yet a Christian, and God sent an angel. I find it interesting that God sent the angel. Surely, you know, angels are only reserved for people of faith, are they not? I also find it interesting that the angel didn't preach the gospel. The angel said, you are supposed to go and send for a human being, Peter, to get him to come and tell you a great message. But the angel had an important part to play. The angel was moving in Cornelius's life, Cornelius's heart, to cause him to be open to the gospel, to cause him to be aware of the supernatural, in order for God's plan for the church to unfold, Cornelius' household had to be able to respond to the gospel. And on the other side, the praying Christian, Peter, 
as receiving a vision. A vision that on the face of it has nothing to do with the situation he's about to enter into. What does a sheet from heaven have to do with preaching the gospel to a group of Gentiles? But God is opening up Peter's heart, redefining what is clean and unclean, showing that all people have been sanctified by the blood of Christ. This is known as the effectual call that God is working in your life before you even really come to know Him. God knows where you're at even while you are afar off. Even while you were still lost in sin, God was working in that situation to bring you and to draw you by His grace to the point where you would say, I want to come to know you as my personal Lord and Savior. God who was and who is and who will be is calling you. Do you know that the Bible says that God speaks of Himself, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the A to Z. And the beginning and the end. What I love is, and this is how uh, Miles Monroe put it, used to put it, that if God knew the end and you're here, it must mean that He's got a great purpose for you yet to fulfill, which is why He created you. You might be looking at your life only prospectively, thinking about everything that's come and everything that's going to come to be. He's at the end thinking, wow, I can't wait. I can't wait till so-and-so begins to respond to the call. I can't wait till they start to take their place in my kingdom. I can't wait till they start to proclaim my word with faith and with boldness. I can't wait till they start healing the sick. I can't wait till they start speaking truth. I can't wait till they start winning their family because each person here has a great purpose in the kingdom of God. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. I don't know that you could find a more supernatural arrangement of events. The angel calling, the Holy Spirit giving a vision, speaking personally to Peter, the arrival at at Cornelius' household, all supernatural, 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 supernatural. And yet think about it from the perspective of Cornelius' household. His wife, his kids, his servants, his slaves, his family guests. What do they know of the supernatural? All they see is the natural. This guy, Peter, Cornelius is treating him pretty special, so he must be an important guy, but he's a man. Remember with Elijah, we had the great winds, the earthquake, the fire, which all could have been God, and yet he spoke through a small whisper. We have a supernatural call that can be delivered to us by natural means. I wonder what your expectation is of God. There are so many people today, because we know that we can hear from God, that they say, unless God speaks to me personally, I'm not going to listen. And especially in our day and age, this postmodern mindset, Refuse connection with the body of Christ, suspicious of humans, particularly leaders. I wonder, are you too proud to hear the call of God today? However, He chooses to speak to you. Be it through my mouth, be through one of the worship leaders, 
be through it a loving Christian opening their mouth to tell you that Christ loves you. But equally on the other side, there are some that are so distant from wanting to hear God's word. They're like, you just tell me, you just tell me where I've been naughty. I love, I love it when I come to church and there's a strong word message and I get to feel real guilty. You just tell me because that just feels, I feel so alive. Whether you say you only want to hear from God yourself or you don't want to hear from God anyway except through a messenger. It's not my job to delight your flesh by confronting you with areas of righteousness. But we are all called to listen to God by the Spirit as you read your word and to listen to Spirit-empowered leaders with the hearing of the Spirit while they preach the word. There's the Spirit and there's the word operating when we come together in his body. And this call has purpose. This call is with the purpose of calling out of darkness into light, out of slavery into freedom, from orphanhood to adoption, from eternal death to eternal life, from enemies of God to being friends of God. And I wonder, are you still too proud to hear the call? Make no mistake that the most urgent call you will ever, ever receive in your life is the call of God. Don't be one of those people that are so proud that they come to church and they hear the gospel preached with power and then they say, next week, Lord, I'm just not quite ready yet. I'm just not in that space yet. I had this great encounter with the Lord uh, just a week before I really like, had this life of Christ in me. I was at, in an encounter you know, we've got, to, we've got to meet with God, sacrifice everything. I said, God, yes, definitely. And I'm even going to quit alcohol. And after my birthday next week, please, Jesus. <laughs> and on my birthday, I got in one of the biggest fights, uh, nearly got expelled from the summer school that I was in. It was not a pleasant day. And the Lord said, well, if you'd not waited for the extra week, <laughs> you'd have been fine. But some of us joke around with the things of God. We say, yeah, yeah, okay, I, I like the Christian message, but I'm also going to go look at other stuff. And I've got my business thing, you know, that stuff that the disciples said to Jesus. I've got my field, my wife, my, uh, my new cattle that I need to look after. God, you just wait, and I'll come when I'm ready for you to call me, not when you're calling me, actually. The great terror of that is that the people of Israel did that to the Lord. And when they finally were humble enough to do what he asked them to do, he said it was too late. That's the nature of the call. You will today, wherever you are, have an opportunity to respond and say, I want to know the Lord as my Savior. But there are also a great many of you who are called to a purpose. You know Christ, but you're on the journey. And I don't know particularly, though we believe God that there'll be some words of knowledge later, I don't know particularly what your call is, but I do know this, that there are some things that the call of God is going to produce in your life, fruit, things that express themselves through your life. First, the call to love. To love God and to love one another. The call to love God is one to worship. I had a friend once who used to say to me, I don't know why God needs worship, because God is 
the creator of all things. He is magnificent beyond any description, and the created experiences life when we see the creator for who he is and honor him. That's intentional, that's leaning in, that's worship with a heart full of praise to God. I just say this, front row in church should never ever be empty if you're serious about wanting to come and worship God. It's not about whether you want the front row or not, it's whether you want to lift the Lord high with your praises to show people what it is to genuinely honor and worship God. That's just one aspect of worship. What about your home worship? What about your life of worship in public? There's a call also to love God with your body and with your life. The call of the Christian is a pure call. Embracing the holiness of God as the best thing for you. You know, there are those that say, hey, well, I'm worship here, worshiping here on a Sunday, and then Monday to Saturday they're sleeping around. Oh, no, but it's okay. Let me explain briefly why it's not okay. Because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God has gifted you with life, and He's gifted you with His presence. And He calls us to honor Him with our life and His presence. And the way that you can honor God with sexuality is within the covenant of marriage, man and wife, committed to one another faithfully before God, before the community, and in the eyes of the law. Now, I know that the law defines things differently. I'm talking about a religious definition of marriage. That's the context in which we can honor God with sexuality. Everything outside of that is not just dishonoring ourselves is dishonoring everyone we sleep with, and it's dishonoring the future partner that God has created for us. But most of all, it's dishonoring God, who's gifted us with our bodies. It's a call to love the ones He died for, the church. Do you love the church? I'm, I'm not trying to be rude when I say this, but sometimes when I look at different people, I wouldn't naturally love them. I wouldn't naturally love some of you. Don't take it offensively. You wouldn't love me. You know, I'm, I'm okay with that. But in the body of Christ, we're called to love one another, to serve one another. And it's a call to love the ones He's calling to lost. Do you love them enough to pray for them? Do you enough, love them enough to make room for them? Do you love them enough to share the gospel with them? The effect of the call of God will be a call to love. Second, the effect of a call of God will be the call to serve. Take up your cross and honor the Lord with your life. You know, you might not know this about our senior minister, Colin Dye, incredible man of faith. Often you just hear he's away somewhere doing something. I don't know how much it affects you, but it should affect you and inspire you this weekend. He was away somewhere and arrested for his faith in the airport and deported before he had a chance to get into the country. A few of us were praying into that. Thank God he was freed safely. He did have to spend 36 hours in the hospital um, grieving, uh, well, not grieving, suffering in that hospital, in the, not in the hospital, sorry, in the airport, and wondering what was going to happen to him, and then released. Thankfully, the grace of God. But thank God we have a minister who is serious about preaching wherever it is. 
wherever it is that God calls him to be. And we pray that he would continually be protected. But your call is not going to be an easy call. And some of us struggle with the call so much that we won't even sacrifice. Do you know that you have enough time to do what you're called to do? Oh, I've got no time. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm doing. You have enough time if you're just doing what you're called to do. We need to be willing to make the decisions necessary to prioritize the kingdom of God. We need to be willing to forsake sin, willing to embrace that which strengthens us spiritually in our lifestyle. Why? Because there is an end time purpose for each of us. It's a purpose you can give your life to. It's a purpose that will require your lifetime, your entire strength. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and give it your life to Him to serve Him. You don't know the impact your life will have. Maybe you will enable people to walk free from loneliness. Maybe you will help end modern slavery. It's a massive issue even in this country. Maybe you'll help people walk free from addictions. Maybe you'll help people come to know Christ. God calls us to serve the world, the people who may never thank us. It's a call to serve. And then finally, it's a call to humility. Peter, in this story, to be an effective witness, had to humble himself. Imagine all the decades of careful Jewish practice. Here in a moment, God calls him to change tack and to include Gentiles. He wasn't even supposed to sit with them and eat, let alone preach the gospel. And yet he humbled himself, set aside all of those years of, of dedication, and came to bring the gospel to those who the Lord directed him to. See, the upward call in the Lord is also a downward call in humility. I began by saying, are you humble enough to hear the call? Because we all wrestle with pride. Even the most broken person wrestles with pride. And I've seen so many times that young men and women, they come to know that they're called by God. And they know that God has a plan for their life. And suddenly they start to rise up. And I'm called by God. I am anointed and appointed to preach the gospel. And yet as they do that, go about this arrogant, prideful way of preaching, they also begin to assume that they're invincible. Because I'm called, I can do whatever I want. I don't have to sit and pray. I don't have to listen. I'm going to tell everybody I'm called. I'm going to tell you who I'm going to follow. I'm going to be amazing. But God, I can also get with this person, can't I? Because I'm called. Not using wisdom in the selection of their partner. I can also go out and get drunk with the people I'm witnessing to. Not practicing self-control, even though you're seeking to be a witness. Pride begins to overtake all of these decisions. And I know men and women who have not fulfilled the call of God because they've locked themselves into a scenario through pride. And this is the truth. As you hear the upward call, let me encourage you to start to seek humility. The higher you go in the call of God, the lower you go in harder service. When you ask for genuine humility, it's one of those difficult things to preach on because it's one of those things you're always believing for. But I dare to ask the Lord for genuine humility. And within four days, I was like, 
Lord, this is absolutely ridiculous. Why, you might say? Because I was getting shown how much pride is in my heart. I'm like going, Lord, do I have to go through this? And why are you using that person to teach me this lesson? And why that person? <laughs> Can't you just speak to me from the word? And the Lord's like, you asked for genuine humility. How else do you think I was going to put it in your heart? When you have to humble yourself with people that you don't think you should be humble before. When you have to apologize for things that you maybe wouldn't have apologized before. There's so many different aspects, but as you follow the high call, be prepared to humble yourself and be prepared to keep choosing humility and keep choosing humility and keep choosing humility because as you choose humility, God can work in your life. You don't stumble through pride. You open your life to the Word of God as you humble yourself. As you humble yourself, the cross becomes increasingly real. As you humble yourself, you start to reflect on the gospel. Sometimes we rush through Good Friday to hit Easter Sunday. And it is Good Friday that brings the humility. It's Gethsemane. It's Jesus reasoning with the Lord, asking if there's another way. It's Jesus going to the cross. And the moments you spend dwelling on those powerful instances, you start to see where God's grace has carried you in your life. And this is where so many people get frustrated because they rush past the cross, they rush to resurrection, and then they begin to get frustrated because they hit a plateau in the call of God and guilt begins to get big on us why we haven't achieved what God is calling us to. But I want to suggest to you it's maybe because the cross hasn't got real for you. The cross is a seed that will reap a hundredfold and yet it feels like it's a seed that is a few stones, a few tears surrounding. But as we gaze upon the cross, as we spend time at the cross, a repentance begins to work in our hearts, not one of guilt, but one of God, you did that for me so that I could become all you called me to be. You did it for me and for others so that we could be free from the tyranny of sin and brought into truth and life. Sometimes when you spend moments at the cross, you can get to feeling like you don't deserve any of God's grace. Almost to the point of feeling like your call is in that grave with the Lord. How could I possibly serve the Lord when I've done all that I've done? And yet there's a voice that begins to call Jesus. It's that same voice that concurrently called us. We've been united with Christ in his death and we've also been raised with him in his life and in that grave, the power of God began to operate the voice of God began to speak to that body of Christ Jesus and call him back to life. And in the raising of Christ, he calls all of us back to life in Christ Jesus. He makes it possible for all of us to enjoy new life in him. He makes it possible for all of us to embrace what we were originally created and called to be. It's the same power that worked in him is the same immeasurable greatness of power that works in us who believe. And I don't know where you are today, but I want to say to you, Heed the call of God. 
Heed the call of God. Respond to the power of God seeking to operate in your life and in mine. Respond to what God is doing in this season. He doesn't want us to be a weak, insipid, lazy church that is centered on the world. He wants us to be a bride that is glorifying to Christ, that is walking in power and walking in purity. I don't know if you feel that power working in your heart right now, but not only is God calling you for the sake of drawing you near to Him, but He's calling you for the sake of calling others. He's calling you so that you can start to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to those around us. What are you going to do with the call of God? With great calling comes great sacrifice. Will you give yourself to pray and seek God? Will you respond to the direction of the Holy Spirit? Will you surrender to His purpose? Will you follow His call upon your life? I want to challenge you. How are you going to respond to the call? How is it going to affect your tomorrow? I'd love to see this place filled with people kneeling before the Lord today. But how is it going to affect your tomorrow? How is the call going to echo through the next 12 hours? Maybe if you sleep a little bit longer. 16 hours. So that when you wake up on Monday morning, it's echoing in your heart. When you wake up next week, it's echoing in your heart. When you wake up next year, it's echoing in your heart. The call of God that day when the Holy Spirit spoke to me and put life in my heart, how are you going to respond? I want to invite us all to stand. And as you feel led, in your response, I want to invite you to say, the Lord, I hear your call. Maybe you will place a hand on your heart as a sign of surrender of your heart. Maybe you will lift your hands. Maybe you'll come fill the front. If you're not interested, no compulsion. You stand and worship. Do your thing. But if you know the call of God is on you today, you know you've been running. You went and had a family and that became more important than the call of God. You went and got promoted, that became more important than the call of God. You had a great business opportunity, that became more important than the call of God. You sinned and you forgot about the grace of God and thought that His call stopped. He has a plan for your life. I want to invite you to start to respond. Say, Lord, I hear your call. Lord, I hear your call. Lord, I hear your call. Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be moving amongst your people this this afternoon. Move amongst your people and speak to hearts. Lord, let lives be changed. Whether those in the grave need to be set free like Lazarus, whether those in the church need a sense of purpose and direction. Maybe you've come from any walk of life and you're hearing the call to follow the the Lord for the first time. I want to challenge you to follow Him with all of your heart. Jesus issued a call over your life. If you're here today and you haven't come to know Him 
as your personal Lord and Savior. He issued a call on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And you've lived life not knowing the Father who's calling you. I want to ask you right where you are to pray with me. Father, today I hear the call. I know that you called me from that cross 2,000 years ago, Jesus. You made a way for me to be reconciled to the Father. And today I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Let the blood that you shed that day bring transformation. Bring me to life. Let me be born again. If you prayed that prayer today, I want to ask you to look for one of these wonderful people with the yellow pack. Respond to them. Speak to them. Today is a day of your salvation. But I also want to just call out some things real quick. There are musicians in this place. You're gifted and talented beyond measure relative to some people that you know around you. And yet you refuse to give that gift to the Lord. I want to invite you to reconsider your gift in the light of eternity. Oh, I don't want to do all the rehearsals. I don't want to do all of the practices. I don't want to be committed to something. Commit your life to worship. Let God sort out everything else, but commit your life to worship. That there are worshipers here and you're just wonder, worrying too much about people around you and you just have your hands tied to your side. You don't want people to think you're too exuberant. But the Lord is calling you to be expressive in your worship, to be free in your worship, to be extravagant in your worship. There are some of you that are leaders in the making and you've listened to other people's opinions about you more than the call of God upon your life to be a leader. I want to challenge you to start to respond through looking for opportunities to serve. Come and find us. We've got loads of jobs for you to do, both in and outside of the church. And some of you have got a voice. It's not necessarily a loud voice. It's not necessarily a voice that can speak over a whole group of people and them hear you. It might be a quiet, timid voice but it's a voice that is empowered with truth. It's a voice that is empowered with love. It's a voice that you're supposed to use. People don't get saved by seeing you be a nice person. People get saved by you speaking the truth in love. Maybe people need to hear truth from your lips. Oh, quiet one, or timid one. Speak what God puts in your mouth. Call those you are called to call. Finally, cheeky one. Tomorrow we have an intake of Bible school. September we have an intake of Bible school. January we have an intake of Bible school. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Learning the Word of God, going deep in the Word of God, knowing the truth. You don't just get it by reading three verses every day. You've got to immerse yourself in the Word of God. If you're serious about the call of God, I want to challenge you to give two days of your week 
to immerse yourself in the Word of God. Five, ten years' time, God will work in and through you for His glory. But you've got to make the sacrifice. Talk to me afterwards if you want to find out more. Let's pray. Lord, we want to be a people that are called, that live called, that respond when you speak to us, that give our lives daily to prayer and reading your word, that proclaim the gospel wherever we are, whatever career we have, whatever family or cultural context we find ourselves in, that we be a people that live for you first. Lord, let this church, let the people of this church be a people who respond to your voice. In Jesus' name.